0: Tonight, uh, which is interesting, or I really should say tomorrow, is uh, Shiva Asa Bhattamas. That's what tomorrow is. Tonight is the, you know, sort of like the before Shiva Asa Bhattamas. So I thought it would be interesting, in a certain sense, to talk a little about uh, Shiva Asa Bhattamas, sort of like... um, Talk about what I think is very significant on that day, you know. Uh, so before I begin, let me just say that this year should be a blessing and a merit for the health and success of the families of Regina Bas Yosef and Yeshaya ben Yisrael Ben Yom and Wolf, Ben, uh, ben uh, Twihirsh, and Baruch ben Ben Yom and Wolf. She should be uh, Naliyah's Neshama. Of these people In any case um, You know <clears throat> What we're really doing I mean obviously We're entering the period Of what's called <coughs> The nine w- The uh, three weeks Which obviously culminates In the nine days Which ends really with Tishabov, You know So we're familiar With the concept of Tishabov. B'Av And uh, obviously the, the main concept of Tishabov is where the first Beis HaMikdash and the second Beis HaMikdash were destroyed uh, actually in the same day Tish which is the ninth day of Av you know uh, so really what we have to think about is what the concept of Chorban really is and some of the ideas that are connected to the idea of Chorban you know and one of the things that I want to mention is um, is there some type of a uh, consolation for that? And I believe there is. And I f- in fact, it even has a name Shabbos Nachmu. And the question, of course, is other than the fact that we read a Haftarah on Shabbos Nachmu, and that's why we call it Shabbos Nachmu, because the Haftura that we read has, you know, Nachmu, uh, Nachmu, Ami, and so on. But I, I, I believe that there's something much, uh, much more important that Shabbos is really the Nechoma of Tisha B'av, And the one that comes right after Tisha B'av really is the Nechoma of Tisha B'av. Now, of course, the question is why? I mean, we know what Shabbos says in that sense. But what does that have to do with Tishabov? And I will talk about that, you know, a little later on. But the first idea is, what exactly is the Chorban? or well, what is Chorban? Well, it's interesting that there were three basic days in which we experienced tremendous Chorban. There were cataclysmic events, Right? But each one has some type of a commonality with each other And in the end, that's really what Chorban is As we will see The first day of Chorban Is Rosh Hashanah Most people don't recognize it as such Because as far as they're concerned Rosh Hashanah is the day, you know, that Adam Harish, the first man, was created Right? But also on that day, he sinned Now I had mentioned Certain ideas in the last couple of weeks Which is really very fundamental it's foundational And it's really what Korban is really all about You see If you recall, I said That there are different states of reality The first one, which is the greatest Is the concept of Ein Which I mentioned, right, Ein it means it's the reality of God, which we really have no idea. Ainsuf means infinite. We have no idea what the reality of God is, not at all. But what Dubonashim did is he created another reality that allows something else to exist besides himself. And that's the reality of what's called the Zulosoi, that there can be another being besides God. Because I mentioned that one of the main ideas of the Rabbanu Shalom, of the Soy is that Right? An infinite being does not allow the coexistence of anything else because that clearly would limit his infiniteness, obviously You see, he's infinite So how can there be something else that would in some way limit him? Can't be uh, So the concept of an Einsoyip fundamentally is that he's an Enid Milvadoi besides him there is nothing else but in some fashion we don't know how at all obviously he created a reality in which there can be an other you see and that's the reality of the Zulosoi, you see okay and I mentioned that the being that occupies that reality is the Neshama the Neshama is the Zulosoi of the Enid you see Now again we have no idea how that happened But the Neshama is the greatest creation That God made And the way he did it Which we know As I mentioned Is that he emanates 10 spheres And those spheres are really looked on as The embodiment of the divine We don't know what they are But in some way they are That which God uses To create Or to bring into existence things other than himself and what they create initially is the neshama so the neshama is the greatest form of zolah then what the did actually he did by taking the, the energy or the ore the light of the spheres so he reduced the light and he made a neshama then the Ribansham reduced the energy of the spheres further and he made what's called the spiritual universe and the spiritual universe is Rukhni. And that's the universe, as we will see, of Ulam uh, Hazer, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, the Malachim, the angels, and so on. So that's what he did. So in a certain sense, that's a third reality. Now, therefore, then what the Ruhansham did is he created man, or he created the goof of man, the suit, so to speak, that man would wear which is, I mentioned, I think, last time, and that was a goof. that's called Geshem. It's called materialism, material, Geshem. If you want, you can use the word physicality, but it's not the physicality that we know, but it is Geshem, material, or physical, and that is different than Rukhli or spiritual. The spiritual reality is a completely different reality than the physical reality. You see So that's reality number four Now in that reality What was the task of man? The task of man And he took the Nishama, He inserted it into the reality Right? Into a body The body is not what we have It's not the same It was pure physical uh, Material Which we do not know what it is And what Adam was supposed to have done Right Is by doing certain behaviors Mitzvah, whatever He would take the Geshem The physicality Of that reality Right And purify it Remove its physicality And he would actually transform That body which he had It would become We don't really know what it means But it would become The finest type of physicality Ever witnessed If you want to use It would be completely transparent Very fine It's almost like You would have a body Of pure light Now light is Physical Even though we can't see it And so on Right But it's the purest form Of Reality Or physical reality You see So what Adam Was supposed to have done Is turn His body Whatever that was Into a Super Fine physical body that's called zikoch mzakech he would have to purify his body from a gross physicality into super fine physicality and like I say, we have no idea what that means we will know what that means because that's exactly what we have to do not now but later on Uh, but then something happened and this is the churban that I relate you see what happened was, he sinned. Instead of doing what God wanted, which is not to eat from that tree, right? Knowing good and evil. He ate from the tree. He and his wife, Chavo. Uh, so what they did is they introduced in that physical realm, right? Some aspect of a, another being called a Sutton. And the Sutton can project what is called Zoyamah. It's some type of a force But it's a contaminating force You see, it's the opposite of spirituality So what happened is that the body of man Became physical But it was physical Pervaded by the Zayama Now I've mentioned this before And that's us So we know that what that is We have bodies that have the zoyama, Right? Uh, And that zoyama is the grossest form of physicality, you see. It's almost like looking at an element, let's say like uh, uranium or metal or whatever, a higher atomic number, and comparing it to hydrogen, which is much purer, it's much simpler, and so on. Mm. Now, that's what he did, and as a result of all this, he is now physical-slash- Zayama. You see? And that's not pure Geshem But that was a Khurban. Why? Because what he did was he distanced himself further from the Rabanishram. That is Khurban, you see, because it's like to be next to God to Ruban Ashram is pure existence. We don't know what that means we will know in but to be attached to god is the greatest type of existence that can ever be so wait a minute if you're now introducing in whatever you are in this case it was other mission as pure geshem fine so he was encased in his physical body but the body was uh, very fine not like what we have therefore he's much closer to god you see, he can experience the Barsham at a much greater level. But what he did is by introducing Zoyama, or the Sutton, and therefore changing his physical body with the mixture of Zoyama, he now becomes much further from the Bersham. Well, guess what? That's Khorban. It doesn't look like Khorban, because you can just say, well, he just transformed himself into a different type of being. You know, a being of pure physicality That can be, you know, changed Into a body of incredible, subtle physicality And he just introduced some substance called Zoyama No, much worse Because the Because a body that has Zoyama Cannot be purified This is the problem It has a contaminant so you cannot purify the contaminant. You gotta get out get it out of the body. You gotta throw it out. You gotta get rid of it. This is the problem. In the old days, Adam can purify his body. Where his body changes or transforms, right, back into spirituality, whatever. And ultimately into a pure form of physicality. And he restores himself as a Zuloso. Is an incredible being, uh, you see. But once you introduce Zoyama, you cannot purify Zoyama, you see. You got to get rid of it. Therefore, he changed the nature of the work. But what he did at the same time, you see, is he distanced himself from the Rabbani Shalom. That's Horban. because he is now much worse of a being. He's subject to death Subject to disease and illness. Subject to stress. All kinds of demons. That's what he's subject to. You see? So that itself is Chorban. That it's no longer a bed of roses. Now he's got to go through a living Gehenna. Much of the time. Because he's now really physical. Subject to decomposition and so on. But the real tragedy. Is he's now much further from God. Uh, Like I say. Because you cannot purify Zoyama you got to get rid of it. In fact that's the reason why people have to die you see uh, because you can't purify Zoyama yet we are all filled with it. So what happens is is death had to ensue how or why? because a person would then die <coughs> and his body would then turn back into earth. And therefore, at that point in time, he's no longer the human that he was. And therefore, the Zoyama is no longer part of him. You see? So now, when the Rosham now reintroduces him back into the living uh, physical, he would get up with a new body without Zoyama. You see? And that would be incredible. No Zoyama. And then at a certain point in time, the Rosham would say, Okay, Neshama, do your thing. And he would take off the shackles, of the neshama, and the neshama would immediately purify mezakech, the physical body. Why? Because there's no zoyama. So that's not a problem anymore. The only problem is he's got to do the zikuch. He's got to purify, right, and remove the geshem. And that it could do. You see? That's the whole reason why we have tcheh why we have resurrection of the dead You see Is to get rid of the Zoyama And then the neshama Will purify the body You see But the Chorban was Is that man changed himself Into a much f- worse form So that was Rosh Hashanah Was an incredible Chorban You see Remember Chorban or des- Or Or uh, Destruction or whatever what it means is to disattach yourself from God that's what korban is everything else is all relative real korban is you're no longer part of God or attached to the Burnsham you see that's real korban. now looking at korban that way right so what was the next time of korban? and the answer is Shiva Osebet Today Or I should say Tonight Tomorrow Why? Because Without going into the whole thing I have a whole Series of Shuram About Pesach And Pesach The essence of Pesach Is that the Jews were Able to render Inert The Zoyama In the physical body You see Which is incredible The Gemara says this Nifzika Zoyama shel Nochosh That the Zoyama Of the Nochosh The snake right, which we had in our body, was nifzikah. Nifzikah means it ceased to operate in the body. All that had to be done now was to evict it from the body. You see, they had rendered it inert, which is incredible. And that was what the holiday of Pesach is about. Now, with whatever labor they had, whatever yesurin they had, however they did it, it was the first time in history That mankind In the name of In the form of the Jews Was able to influence Neutralize or nullify The effect of the Zayama So therefore As a result of that They were not normal They were not like us They had Zayama in them But it was completely neutral We've got Zayama in us And it drives us crazy You see So much of what happens to us Is because our bodies Have this incredible contaminant Called Zayama you see. So therefore, they were at the point of evicting the Zayama. You see. And therefore, what they should have done as a result of that, if they would have done that, then Moshe Rabbeinu would have been the Mashiach, because that's really what his designation was, you see. And they therefore would go through the process of uh, the Messianic hero, which is Moshe Rabbeinu giving the Torah. And we know that the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu really gave At first the Luchas Rishonis The first tablets Is really the messianic light But what they did is They did the sin of the golden calf Now I had spoken about that So I'm not going to do it again Not now anyway Uh, And because of the sin of the golden calf Right They allowed the Zoyama To reactivate Bad news So in a certain sense, they replicated the sin of our You see, he's the one who allowed the Zoyamah to enter the human body, change the material structure of man. And now, in Yud Zayin Tamuz, because that was the day they did the Chetor Egel, they had allowed a Zoyamah that they nullified and almost evicted. They now allowed that to reactivate, you see, so the Zoyama was reactivated And there you go Because it's reactivated Everything comes back Death and so on You see uh, So therefore Shiva Subhatamas, Right Again Reactivated the Zoyama And therefore created a tremendous distance Between the Nishama, Which is now Imprisoned so to speak In the human body And God And the Rabbana Shalom so people don't realize Shiva Asupatama Is the greatest tragic day After Rosh Hashanah Not Tishbev. People don't understand that They think Tishbev is the worst day I mean we'll see in a minute That it is obviously bad That's, It's not the worst day The worst day like I pointed out Was Rosh Hashanah You see because it brought in the Zoyama Shiva Asupatama Did the same thing Therefore, it created the greatest distance between the Jews and God. Okay? And as a result of that, it is the greatest Chorban besides Rosh Hashanah. Then, of course, you had the third day of Khorban. What was that? Where it's not that the Jews created a tremendous barrier between them and God by reintroducing the Zayama. You see? they created the barrier okay that's one type of destruction it was just like them building a wall that now separates them from the branch but the rush was still there you see it's just that they separated themselves right by reintroducing this contaminant of the sudden Tishabov is different but it's a, in many ways it's the same Khurum. why Kishbov is where the Rabbonah Removed himself He left You know For whatever the sin was The first one Was the three sins You're supposed to Give your life for Whatever uh, or whatever, whatever the Gemara says And the second reason Is because of Basically Sinaschina M'lashonar And so on But the Rabbonah Left He removed the Shechina You see And that had Profound Consequences To the Jewish people Mm. Because that would mean That on a national level We no longer had The access or the ability To attach to God Mm. You know what's interesting is that And we don't know what it is When you had that first You had the Oran Everything was there You had the items Components (coughs) that were miraculous They were incredible Like the fire of the Mizbeach would go up Right And no hurricane could move it You had a lot of miracles No woman ever lost a child Because of the meat smell or whatever There was so much stuff going on there and so on There were no insects And basically The whole courtyard of them is Of the Besamikdash uh, the, uh, Was a butcher shop If you really think about that You know how many flies congregate around a butcher shop uh, You see Nothing No insects No flies No mosquitoes No nothing <clears throat> Could you imagine That every Jew Would say Or the Manshem would require Every Jew to go Three times a year To the Besam Mikdash And to bring a korban? Now there are many ideas of that What that means You know I always like to think of the idea That it means that the Bansham He wants his family it's like a father wants to see his kids You know So even though you may live in Let's say you live in uh, Hebron or whatever Oh no You got to come and visit me Three times a year That's one of the greatest expressions Of the love that the Shem has For the Jewish people He insists On getting together It's like a family reunion day So to speak uh, Where you would acknowledge The presence of God By being in different Kobanus and so on but that's basically what it was. That meant that when you went to the base of Meknes, you could actually feel something. You could feel the Shechina. You could feel the presence of a, an other being. You didn't know how uh, how you felt it, but you felt it. You see, because the version was really there. There was a level of intensity of the Shechina that we don't even understand present. In the Beis HaMikdash. In the first one, and even in the second one. But certainly in the first one, where you had the orn and so on, it must have been incredible, you know, <clears throat> to feel that, you see. And like I say, <clears throat> that ended on Tisha B'Av. So, God left. That's what He did. And that is a Chorban. Because it meant that you are now distant from the Rabbi Again, same concepts of Khorban. Now, it's interesting. If we want to know, where does this concept come from? Where does the concept of Khorban come from? You see, how do I know that what Chorban destruction really means is the absence of God or the detachment from God? Well, let's just check out Cain. Cain revealed exactly what it was what happened with cain well he offered something fruits or whatever and his brother hevel also offered but he offered real great sheep or whatever and you see and the reason whatever that means he regarded the korban of hevel much more than the korban of cain and somehow cain knew this and so on and he was very jealous right and he went and we know Committed the first murder in human history It's amazing Killed his brother fratricide, And so on uh, You know So Bunsham appears to Kayim And he's is the beginning of Bracish And he tells him You know Is your brother What do you mean Am I, am I my brother's keeper And all of a sudden Barasham said You know Your brother's blood cries to me From the ground And the Barasham in a certain way Cursed him So it's interesting to see What Cain said so Cain, at least, didn't, didn't deny well, he couldn't deny what he did. But what he did was great. He admitted that he sinned, terrible. In fact, at such a stand, Cain said, "God la soy, that my sin, or my punishment, whatever, is greater than I can bear. You see, in other words, what I did is greater than what I can carry." You see, you know, so in a certain sense, and he admitted it was a tremendous sin. So in a certain sense, he was asking for Ahmanus. So listen, you know, people deserve punishment. But you can't give them a punishment that they can't even bear, because that means instant death. Maybe that's what he deserved. But then he said something which is very interesting. And I will be hidden from your face. I will be distant You're not going to have anything to do with me anymore You see It's interesting That's what Cain regarded In a certain sense As a punishment That was greater than he can bear You see And from your face I will be concealed or hidden Means you'll have nothing to do with me Right And therefore In no way can I attach myself to you Evermore And that's greater than I can bear Kayen knew that was the greatest Holrban, and he was just he was just, uh, in a certain sense, visited by that, you know khurban. And he admitted, and, and he said that he couldn't bear it, and so on. But Kain understood. So you know it's funny, uh, you know, you tell that, you just think. I mean, imagine if the Banham appeared to a murderer and said that to him. You know, I mean, you don't have to go very far to find murderers in the United States. Forget about the rest of the world. They're all over the place. You know, you can just check out New York if you want to find murderers or many cities in the United States. And the Russian said, you know, uh, know, how do you go kill? How many murderers would say, well, I can't take the punishment. And one of the main ideas of the punishment is I will be detached from you. Really? People don't think about that. People don't have that hassog of their bunch of them. They don't miss God and so on. So it's funny when you think about that, as bad as Kyan was, could you imagine what he really was before he murdered Hevel? He must have been on an incredible Madrega even to recognize that this is a terrible punishment. You see? I mean, from what he said, you can see what type of a murderer he was. He must have been an incredible, just got caught up in the jealousy, whatever. You can see the level, the madrega Of what he was, you see Of what he was before the murder Which is interesting But in any case, the main idea Is that is the Chorban You see, Kayan, When he says that In other words, the real Chorban is the Rihok Is the distance that you have from God And to increase that distance Is the Chorban You see, and like I say Those three days Rosh Hashanah the, the entry of the Zoyama Yud Zayin Tammuz the re-entry of the Zoyama and the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash which is Tisha B'Av those are the three days that clearly essentially reflect what the Chorbin is so we, at least we have a grasp of what we are really talking about you see now um, as a result of that we don't realize something and i'm going to i want to talk about it you know mm, the greatest richuk that we will ever see you know is happening now we don't realize that we are in a time a terrible time that is already predicted as the era before the mashiach comes we are in what's called A battle between good and evil We're not looking at Bad people Good people And so on No We're looking at The whole concept of evil Versus the concept of good Who will win out So in that sense It's one of the greatest Dark periods In human history You see And it's interesting You know There was a very great God Khanan Vasman, Who was The greatest student, Talmud, of the Chofetz Chaim. And right before World War II, whatever the year was, right? He went to England, you see. And this was, I think, uh, because he was in uh, Yeshiva Baranovich, whatever. And he had a Yeshiva there. And you already had World War II going on. You had uh, Hitler already rose and so on. In any case, he went to England, probably to raise money or whatever, and they begged him not to go back to Germany or to Europe, Austria, wherever he was. Actually, he was in, was it Austria or Poland? Whatever it was, anyway. And they begged Rabbi Chonin Vassman not to go back to, to well, let's say it was Austria. Okay. Uh, so he told them something very interesting, you know. He told them what the Chofetz Chaim said. And he wanted to show that it will not help. Chovetz Chaim said something very interesting and what he said was Ruch Kurdish. it's obvious you know what the Chovetz Chaim said was something very very interesting here's what he said he said the war of Goig and Magog will not be just a war one war and that's it it will be in three parts here's what the Chovetz Chaim said there will be three wars aimed at the Jewish people or they will be the end war You see The first one He said Was And this was During World War I That the Chovetz Chaim Said this Chovetz Chaim I think With Nifta In 1933 at a very old age But during World War One, He told this to Rabbi Vasman, uh And this is brought down By Rabbi Elia Lapian In one of his forums And so on uh, So The Chovetz Chaim said that this war that we are having isn't just a regular war it is the first stage of magog he saw germany as goygamagoig and it was world war one you see now even though it wasn't directly against the jews but it destroyed i think over a thousand jewish community it was terribly destructive and cataclysmic to the jewish people so the Chofetz Chaim actually said, this is the first stage of the war of Goig and Margoig. He identified World War I as Goig and Margoig. Then the Chofetz Chaim said, and already this is Ruach HaKodesh, he said, there will be a stage two. And that stage will be directed against the Jew. He was predicting World War II I think in like 1916 or 1917. I mean, you, you, that, that's what he was saying. There will be another major war, more specifically aimed at the Jew, and that will be the war of Goig and Ma'goyg. Again, you see? And it will bring terrible calamities. So what Rabbi Kham, and then he said the third stage, it's interesting. You know, everybody's waiting, like, you know, what's the third? The Chaim didn't say... He said it will ultimately happen. You see, but what's interesting is that he identified World War One and World War Two as messianic, which would mean obviously that how could they be part of goigemargoy? Right, that means they have to be pre-messianic, or else they could never be. But he said that there would be these two wars: World War One, and he predicted World War Two as a messianic war, goigemargoy. You see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can ask, well, where's the third stage, right? Third stage is really, in a certain sense, happening. What happened in the second stage, which is World War II, is uh, the Sultan brought out a messianic figure, his messianic figure, <coughs> which means a person of one of the most evil people that ever lived, you see, and we, which we, we know is Hitler yamakshamari. That's what he brought out. In that sense, he represented pure evil. That's what Hitler represented, pure evil, you see. And that war was specifically to destroy the Jews. That was the real process, that was the real rationale of the entire war. Hitler was really not so much interested in conquering the world, although I'm sure that was sort of like part of his agenda. But his real agenda was to destroy the Jewish people. And we see that because that's what he wrote in his book, Mein Kampf, which he wrote in 1923. He actually says it. The Jews must be destroyed. They are the evil of mankind. That's what he believed, and so on. And in that sense, if the Satna had to appoint right, his, his uh, representation or representative Hitler would be that representative because that person probably is one of the most evil people that ever lived. Not many people can claim that. I mean, there are some other people, you know, um, who who their whole interest was to destroy true genocide, the people because of who they are, not because of, in a certain sense, of what they did, you see. So that's, so World War II is clearly... Aimed at the Jews. And that is the Messianic War that he sp- spoke about, and so on, you see. Now, I believe that that war absorbed the brutality of the Messianic War of Goig and In other words, there still will be a Goig and war, which I will talk about, right? <coughs> uh, but it will not have that brutality. That has been absorbed or fulfilled with World War Two. I mean, six million Jews is beyond belief. And it's not just that they died, you know, it's the way they died. Every aspect of the Jew was used. His skin, his fat, you know, uh, his possessions, everything. It was just, that was never done in history. I mean, he had enemies, so he killed them. Okay. But you don't do this. They're not even enemies. How many Germans did he kill? And so on, you know. It was purely in order to destroy the Jewish people. That had never been done in history. All wars are fought because of a specific rationale, right? But you don't have a war that's fought basically to kill a person because of who he is, not what he does. In any case, but I believe that the third goygamogoy, like I say, the brutality and the slaughter of the goygamogoy war, without getting into it has been accomplished with the second world war and the first world war the third Goyg war will be the same concept which we will now understand to be the ultimate battle between good and evil that's really what we're looking at that's really what Goyg is the ultimate v- battle between evil and good or good and evil whatever and so on I believe that was the founding of the United Nations as a collective of the entire globe The entire world And I think they were created in 1946 Right after World War II The Gamapi of Goegumogoig is 70 And the UN is a body that represents all 70 nations Even though there really more, there seem to be more nations But there are 70 original roots Of all the nations of the world and so on and today, the UN, I think, has 193 nation members, and so on. But there are really only 70 roots. And I believe that the mogoig of today is really that which unites the entire world is the United Nations. And in many ways, they have shown that's exactly what they are. You know, is that almost all resolutions that come out of the General Assembly condemn Israel. It's very obvious what the UN is, and that is the war of good and evil you see, that's really what it is in any case so the Chovetz Chaim is, like I said he was hinting that there are three parts of the war now if you really think about that you see in terms of what it means we also have the same idea three parts to the final battle the first possible messianic uh, period of time which could have ended like I say And we will understand what (coughs) the uh, final battle of good and evil is is when the jews left egypt like i said they had nullified the zayama which means that they had brought very close the messianic era and then have they not sinned with the golden calf right then Moshe bainu would have been mashiach mashiach ben yosef and so on right Uh, now we know right before that mashiach cannot come Unless there's a final battle between good and evil Because that's how it ends So where was the final battle? In Egypt The final battle was Kriyat Yamsav Right? The Egyptians were tremendously subdued Right? They were destroyed basically Right? But wait a minute They're resurrecting themselves Nope They're not giving up They went after the Jews so, by Kriya Syamsef, that is the equivalent of Goig and Margoig, Because it's right before the Mashiach, possibly, and there has to be a battle between good and evil, final, you see? And uh, before that, Messianic, and there was. That was Kriya Syamsef, and they were destroyed. You see? So, we now begin to realize that, you know, that Moogog and Margoig itself Means the final battle Between good and evil So that was the first time You see Okay Then you have of course Like I said You have ultimately Goig and Moig That will war against The Jewish people Especially Mashiach Ben Yosef That's really who he's directed against And so on And that also will lead To the final battle But I'll tell you something What's interesting Is we look out today Right, We look out today in terms of what is happening. And if you really begin to think about it, what we are watching is the final battle. Because mankind has descended into the most evil and corrupt. We don't necessarily look at that, but take a look at what's happening in America and the whole world. I'm not even talking about China and Russia and Korea as Iran as incredibly evil nations. I'm not even talking about terrorists and so on, you know? But look at America. I mean, America is supposed to be, right? It's like Abraham Lincoln said, America is the last great hope of mankind. Because even he realized what this world is. And he was hoping that America will provide the model of goodness to the world, you see. But what happened? Now, what is interesting is there seems to be a remez. Yesterday was July 4th. July 4th is the birthday of the United States. When did that happen? In 1776. That was the birthday of the United States. July 4th, 1776 was the Declaration of Independence. Which is a very interesting document. And so on. I believe it was divinely inspired. Because it's... It's a magnificent document Describing something which really Almost has never been described The concept that everybody Has unalienable rights And they, they have They have the right To freedom and the pursuit of happiness And so on But in any case What's interesting is that July 4th 1776 Was Shiva Asupatama's I once mentioned this A long time ago Wait a minute. That means the birthday of America, right, was on a day that for the Jews was an incredible khurban. That's what it means. So what it seems to portend is something very interesting. You see, mm-hmm. that July 4th, 1776 is not only the worst day for the Jews because it re-entered, allowed the re-entry of the Zoyama <coughs> and destroyed a messianic attempt but it's also the birthday of the United States And what is very So in a certain sense Right That day Which is a terrible day Seems to also portend That it's a messianic day Which in many ways Is a very interesting concept What does that mean? In a certain sense I believe That America was born that day Because America Will be the final battle of good and evil America carries that uh, futuristic event where the final battle of good and evil will take place in America why? and I mentioned this many many times we know that Esau is a patriarch, we know that I've said that many times and so on you see, the problem was Esau, the brother of Yaakov Became an incredible Russia, evil person. We know that. You see. So what Yitzchak did is he didn't want to take away the ability of Esav to do the part of the tikun. So he said, "Okay, you will persecute Yaakov and his descendants if they get out of hand. So your purpose will then be to allow them to do the Tikkun by giving them a kapora, which is the persecutions." So what he did. In an incredible way, he kept Asov as part of the Tikkun process. That he will allow Esau, that he will allow Jews, the descendants of Yaakov, to bring the Guula. You see, but he does it in a negative way. Fine, but we know what it says in the Torah: and the older will serve the younger. You see, that means. The older, who is Esau, well that was the prophecy given to Rivka, that the older will serve the younger, that Esav, who is the older, must serve the younger. What is serve the younger? Bring him food? Show him a good time? No. Serving the younger means to help do the tikkun. That's the only meaning, really, in the Torah. That means, in the end, Esav must go back to his original task Which is also doing the tikkun in a positive way not merely a negative way therefore we see very interestingly uh, that this is the job of esav esav must help yaakov do the tikkun before the mashiach comes so he will be able to get the credit you see now uh, therefore in the end of time esav will help yaakov Do the job, but wait a minute. Esav is evil. So how in the world is it possible to Esav to help Yaakov do the tikkun? He's evil through and through. I mean, take a look at who represents him. There's Rome. How many people did Rome kill for what? Just for conquest? And even the people, the evil people of Christianity. How many Jews did they slaughter? Or other nations in their zeal to take over the world and, and so on. You see, so we know basically by and large the people that represent Esau and that's who it was, right? Uh, and so on. That they, many of them, have done not all of them, but many of them have done terrible evil deeds. Now I don't want to go through the history of Rome or Christianity, but you can't believe you know, what these people have done to the Jewish people for the last 2,000 years. Um, but in any case, the main idea is, so how in the world can Rav Yahweh That's a very good question. Because a- Esav is really evil. Yeah. And the answer to that is there will arise somebody who is Esav, who is good. Or else they can't be. Now America is basically the only real country that's good. So that's why America now has the task. <coughs> You see? America now has the task of being the final battleground of what? Of good versus evil. You see? Because America is, in many ways, the greatest nation. It is certainly very good, or at least was good, whatever. You see? So good is really found in America. But what about the evil of America? Ah, you see? You need the evil because what's the battleground? You see? So that, what you're really looking at is America has now come into it. And that's why its birthday is Shiva Sabatamas, You see? Which is messianic. Because on that day, evil entered. The Zoyama entered. But on that day, the prophecy is, you see, not for nothing were they America born on the, one of the greatest tragic days of Judaism. Right? And because America, I believe, is the last stand. Right before Mashiach So in a certain sense Goig and In a certain sense Is based in America The UN by the way Happens to be in New York That's where it really is And so on But who is the good of America? Who is the good of Esau? That battles Esau? So what we're really looking Because of this The duality here The dualism of the personality of Esau That part of him is evil Right, and there's another part of Esav that is good. There's a Rasha beEsav and a Shab beEsav, and they will battle, and that will be in many ways the last stand of evil before it completely is annihilated. And I mentioned many times, I believe it's Donald J. Trump. Now, Trump is not a tzaddik. I mean, I've mentioned that obviously he's not a tzaddik at all, you know. <clears throat> but that's not the key component of Esav. In the sense that he's good The key component Is you have to be honest You know Of course you can be a Gaiva, Hoary And insolent and so on You know Of course you can be a Baltaiva That's what Esav is But the major aspect of Esav That is evil Is his dishonesty You see That he couldn't care less About the evil that he does You know And when you think about it I don't want to have to get into a you know, situation where I'm praising Trump. But Trump basically is very honest. You see? He's a very wealthy man. And he's an honest guy. You know? But what the Bosham did is very interesting. He allowed the evil of ASOV to come out and to dominate. We are looking at the evil of Esau. And the evil of Esau is the Democratic Party. And its represent- representatives. I mean, we're looking at, you know, the President Biden, we're looking at the Democratic Party, we're looking at the liberals and the progressive. It's insane. You know, I want to tell you something. Anybody who comes to America and is honest, right, about what he sees, does not, cannot believe what's going on. You know, there's always a contest between people. But how could there be a contest where you are trying to utterly destroy the former president of the United States. Everybody sees that. They're not interested in solving a crime. They're interested in destroying Trump. So they have to look for a crime. You see, Uh, that's what's happening. Everybody can see that. Because the Trump mania to destroy Trump is not natural. It doesn't make sense. It's never happened in history. You see it doesn't make sense it never happened with any president in history where the whole objective is to wipe out to destroy annihilate the president the former president for what you don't like the guy okay you don't like him fine so what but his policies were great and he did a tremendous good amount of the stuff for the united states in terms of the economy foreign side. i don't want to go through his whole litany of things that he did So if you don't like him, fine. But why would there be people that want to destroy him? They're looking for a crime desperately to pin on him, to destroy him. That makes no sense. It's irrational. It's never happened before. What must we conclude? This is divinely orchestrated. That's what it means. When you see something that's completely out of whack, completely abnormal, Never happened before, you see, and we see it—the amount of indictments against this man. I mean, I mean, the guy just—he becomes president. You already indict him. You already impeach him twice. You know, I mean, what, like, well, for what? For a phone call? I don't want to go into the whole absurdity of what they did, but it's irrational. If you ever read uh, um, Alice in Wonderland. By Lewis Carroll This is what he wrote about This country is Alice in Wonderland You see Doesn't make sense You know I'm not going to go into the irrationality of Alice in Wonderland It was an incredible allegory against England But the main idea is that What are you doing this You don't like him So don't vote for him What are you trying to annihilate him His family And his followers how many times Does Biden get up there And, and condemn The MAGAS? What's wrong with this guy We're looking at 75 million people What is wrong with this person You see Okay so don't vote for him Why are you trying to destroy him With irrational stuff And all of this stuff Is ridiculous Put away a guy Because he's got documents When he is empowered To keep the documents And, and, and what do you call it And uh, declassified documents This is ridiculous. And not only that, you don't hear a peep out of the guy investigating Biden. Nothing. And it's only more than six months. Right? And Biden was VP and he was a senator when he took documents which is completely illegal. And it's a felony. Nothing. You don't hear a word. I'm not going to go into the, the absolute ridiculousness of the whole situation. What I'm trying to bring out is what are we looking at? We are looking at The end of time And the end of time Is not only messianic But the requirement Is that evil Has to have its last stand There has to be A final battle And that's really What Goyg and Magog is As I've demonstrated And so on You know So in many ways We are looking at The final battle Of good and evil The democratic party Representing the evil And Trump And whatever he stands for Representing the good you know, like I say Trump is not perfect but that has nothing to do with what he's tasked. And you see we don't understand that Rabbanu wants Esau back. He wants of back to do the Tikkun. And what is interesting is that uh, there's a, a Pash in the Torah which we, which we just passed. Chukas where if you take a look at Rivi Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to pass certain countries with the Jews anyway he comes to Edom Edom of course is Esau and the forerunner of Rome and so on and he says to Edom we want to pass your land instead of going around it so he wants to try to persuade them with an argument it's an interesting argument but it's a profound secret the argument what is Moshe Rabbeinu says so Rashi mentions why did he bring this argument what's the argument so he says, Thus says your brother Israel, because Israel is the brother of Esau. He says, listen to this. Rashi says this. Your, our father, Yitzchak, right? Or rather, Avram Avinu. He had the task that he had to go into a land, right? That they didn't know then it was going to be Egypt and be there for hundreds of years as slaves. You see, for whatever... Whatever the Tikkun process was That task or responsibility To do the Tikkun process Was on both of us Yaakov and Esav Maheshav ben says this It was Yaakov and Esav What do you mean How could this task Of doing this as part of the Tikkun process Right Be on Esav Because Esav really is a patriarch That's what Maheshav ben is saying So what happened your father, or your founder, Asaph, threw off the yoke And he said to Yaakov, you take that Means you will be in Egypt, not me So he threw off the whole yoke of the Tikkun process And that was the beginning of how he left Judaism and so on, you know What do we see from this Rashi? That Esau has a task of Tikkun He should have been another nation in Egypt Also as slaves, doing the Tikkun process is Rashi says this Because Asaph is also an of, That's what we see Now did the Bosham say Okay Asaph you're out No Because it says Rav yavoy That the older must serve the younger Which means First he'll serve them Which is what Yitzhak said You will punish or persecute Yaakov and his descendants Like this you give them a kapora, Which means that they're doing the Tikkun but that's not what it says in the possek He has to serve them in the Tikkun process. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu says to Esau. At least let us go around your land because we're the ones who took on the task of Tikkun by being slaves in Egypt. So we did your dirty work. So at least let us go around your land. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. Of course Esau said, no way. If you do that, we're going to make war with you and so on. Fine. Okay. <clears throat> so therefore... What the, which is very interesting Like I say America was born On Shiva Asa Why? Because Shiva Asa Is a day of enormous tragedy Among the Jewish people But at the same time It portends The greatest tragedy of all Which is the end of time Which is when All the nations Right? When that will be the final Battle Between Good And evil You think about that it's really incredible when you think about that and that's what is happening America is at war with itself don't kid yourself there are Americans that hate Americans it's no longer well I don't like your policies no there's enormous sinas chinam hatred of one part of Aesop to another part of ASEV. The good part of ASIF, as represented by Trump and the MAGA, and the bad part of ASIF, which is the Democratic Party. And if you want to understand what evil is, we have never encountered the destruction of youth. They are destroying the youth. I don't want to even go into what's happening, the pronouns, the transgender. All this stuff is destroying. And it's just incredible to hear You know, what the public schools are doing to children Seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, five-year-olds, and so on This isn't normal You need to use a different pronoun And now it's in your face Parades and so on and so forth, you know This is not normal And I'm not even talking about the crime All the cities You know, I, I just heard Walmart is closing 150 stores In Chicago, which is their headquarters Why? because of the shoplifting. They've already lost $3 billion in terms of shoplifting because they're not in any way convicted, nothing. They're not brought to, to, to criminal. Do you have anything like that? You could shoplift anywhere in the United States, but make sure you don't take more than $1,000. Uh, this is sick. It's more than sick, it's not rational. What America has become under the Democratic Party is completely irrational, makes no sense. Uh, what we have to ask is, wait a minute This was never part of the character of America Why is it happening? So that's what I'm telling you This is the last battle of good and evil That's what we're looking at, you see And it has to be done by Asov, Which is America, you see Because that's their job You shirked Egypt So the Baal says, you got to come back Right And finish off the job And that is You know it's funny I wish I was exaggerating But every time you open up The TV or the news Or the internet You can't believe What is going on In the world outside of us I'm not even talking about The countries that are Purely evil But this is the America Who can believe What is happening In any case I do want to mention also What's the Nechama for this? So I will tell you what a Nechama is A Nechama is what? I told you what the tragedy is What tragedy is Is Richuk from the God Is distance from God That's what tragedy really is And that is Rosh Hashanah Shiva Subtamar And also Tisha B'Av That's the Richuk and that is the greatest of all tragedies Because God is life God is existence And if you're distant from it You've got real problems In terms of your eternity uh, That's the destruction But then if that's the case What would be the nechama? And the answer is God comes back Which phenomenon is it Where you are attached to God? And the answer is Prophecy you don't realize that, but prophecy is the reverse of tishbuv. Why? But prophecy is not is what is not on a national level. That was taken away on tishbuv. But do you know that every Jew basically can have prophecy every weekend? I mentioned last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, uh, that what is Shabbos all about? Shabbos is where you experience. You get in the Shami and which means automatically the aspect of Yen Shema that's called Ruach is opened up the consciousness you see and it actually can access what's attached to which is Olim Yitzira but that's Navuah but it's a a minor Navuah because you can feel something Ruchni coming out of that Olim Yitzira you can't see God you see but you can feel Shabbos allows you to feel something that you don't feel during the week. That's prophetic, you see. Uh, So when the Jews had Tisha when we have Tisha what does that mean? We lost God. He's now gone. All of a sudden there's Shabbos and said, wait a minute. If he's gone, why am I feeling him? How am I connected to Elim Yetzirah? Because of my Nesham Yetzirah on Shabbos. So it comes out that Shabbos is Nachmu, But in a completely different way. Not only because we read afters, you see. No, the whole experience of Shabbos is to feel God, you see. But of course you have to do the Halachas, because that's the condition. But if you do, then you will connect to Ulam Yetzirah which is what's called the Elaf Hashvi, which is called the 7,000th year. And that's why you feel different, except it's more minor, you don't see God or anything like that. And I mentioned also them, <coughs> and that's one of the reasons why we say Shalom Aleichem, because the ones who are on Olim Yetzirah are Malachim, And if you're conscious of their residence, guess what? You could talk to them. Okay. They don't answer you That's true But, but once you're, you occupy Or you are conscious Of their domain Then you can address them Even if they don't answer you And that's why we say Shalom Aleichem on Shabbos Notice We don't do that any, any other way You see Because only in Shabbos Do we get to experience God In oilam Yetzirah Which is really very interesting <laughs> You see So that's why Shabbos Nachmo A real your answer because Shabbos is a prophetic experience, that's why Shabbos Nachmu, I believe, is called Shabbos Nachmu. Because sh- people don't realize Shabbos is the real prophetic experience. It doesn't equal this experience we had in the Beis Hamikdash. But the fact that we can have Shabbos means that God is still with us. Or else, we could never experience that Olim Yitzira. You see. And that's why, that's in the Neshama. So it's almost like God is saying, don't worry, I'm still with you. Not only that, but you will experience me, you see. And by the way, just to mention, that's why we have a Shalom Zohar. Why? Because when the infant, the Neshama, is put into the guf, it has an incredible existential anxiety, because it's been separated by God. It no longer has access to the Rabbana Shalom You see Because it's now in the goof And it cannot Transform the body And purify it That's the decree So there's a tremendous What's called existential anxiety Because it is separated from God You see And therefore What happens when Shabbos comes There it is The Neshama Even at that point in time Gets the Neshama yisera. But the Nesham Yisirah is its ability to reconnect to the Rabbah Nesham. And that's why we have Sham Zohar. Almost as if to say to the infant, don't worry, we realize Yerushka has gone through a traumatic experience by being encapsulated by a goof. That's true. But guess what? We're making a sham zacha, It's almost like you need to be pacified. You see? You need to be okay because why? Because God is still with you. And the proof of that Is what you're feeling on Shabbos Which is a prophetic experience Beautifully answers what a Shalom Zohar is really all about You see In any case We now understand the concepts of tragedy We understand the concept of uh, You know What it really is The concept of Shabbos nachmu. We understand something also very important what, what the nature of the times We are living in now and the nature is very important. It is the final of good and battle of good and evil. And that's why you are witnessing such unbelievable psychosis. It's just incredible what is happening. And the descent of man into unpro- unrelenting evil, the immorality and, and so on. Thank you.